Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The show is about to begin. Jack from Mary's Redemption. Um, I am going to be talking bollocks for the next hour on the concerts that made us. Bury your secrets in my skin. I'll take the weight they'll put in. Release your pain, absorb your sins. You'll be the sword of Just
Jack, you're very welcome to Concerts That Made Us. Thank you very much. It's an absolute delight to be here. <laughs> I'm looking forward to diving into your music now over the next bit. So first things first, you guys have a gig coming up on the 1st of December. Tell us all the details. Right. Um, so we are uh, linked in with um, ALM Promotions and the Nutshell Collective. So uh, Nutshell was this uh, collective that was put together back uh, I think around, around the start of the year um, by Chris Goggins of um, Ritual Effect with the idea of bringing all these kind of bands um, that wouldn't necessarily kind of be getting exposure in terms of the pub scene and stuff like that and bringing them all together, giving them an umbrella and a kind of a linking them all in with each other so that um, an opportunity then to, to play with each other and stuff like that. So it was... Um, uh, was a nutshell gig there on last uh, Saturday in uh, Pharmacia in Limerick. And it was a opportunity to kind of see some of the bands play. So um, I'd seen Vendetta Love play a few times and Motion Sickness as well, a good few times as well. Um, Luna Sky were on the bill. I'd seen them play before as well. But it was a great opportunity to, see them, uh, to actually see Ritual Effect in, in action. They're an absolutely brilliant band live. And then there was another band uh, two other bands there, there's Steiner and um, Pretty Limited, who had never heard of Pretty Limited before. And they just they just blew me away with their kind of energy and stuff like that. So to bring it into the gig coming up, it's it, it's that idea still of bringing, bringing all these bands together. So on in uh, the 1st of December, we're heading down to Fred Zeppelin's um, and we're with a chance to play with uh, Steiner, uh, even Angels. And Outsound are also on the bill as well. So it should be a good one. Ah, sounds like a good night. It's a, it's a great initiative kind of setting up that collective though, isn't it? Because I'd imagine it's very hard to get a band off the road, especially when you're playing originals. Oh, it, it is. I mean, like, um, like I've been, I'd never really had any interest. Once I learned how to play the guitar, um, I never really had too much interest in being in a cover band. Like I loved all the grunge stuff as Nirvana, Pearl Jam and all that, but I always wanted to write. So from the very first band that I was in, it would have been, I would have been writing originals. Now I was in cover bands over the years as well, but I always tried to sneak in a few originals into them as well, you know? Yeah. Um, but the music scene in, in Ireland, it doesn't seem to be, it doesn't seem to cater for um original music. So it's great to have like initiatives like that, the Nutshell Collective, bringing bands together and just just giving us a platform and getting a chance to meet with each other and, and connect to each other like since this has started um the amount of bands that i've kind of discovered in, in in ireland alone that play and write their own music like it's it's unreal and there's so much talent here that's just it's not being recognized or it's not getting the kind of recognition it deserves so to speak yeah one thing i noticed is you know, from the podcast, I have great insights into the American scene, the South Africa scene, the Belgium scene even. But at the start, I didn't have too many insights into the Irish scene. And when I came across the Nutshell Group, I was like, holy crap, there's actually like tons of Irish bands. And what was surprising is they're actually all really good, you know? Yeah, I know. That's the amazing thing about it. They are actually really good. Like there's not really any filler within that collective like it's it's amazing how much talent it is in it like and the quality of the songs and the quality of the productions that are being put out it's it's phenomenal really like i mean up until that nutshell collective the only other band that i was kind of really aware of would have been vendetta love they would have been the only band that i was kind of aware of but since i got into collective like i just discovered so many other so many other good bands like and it's great to get the opportunity then to play with them then as well like um another band in there that we discovered is uh, string cup puppets um from Derry um they're absolutely amazing as well um and we just just from listening to the music and then popping them in all text well lads you know what I think your music's great um 
etc etc and now um they're like oh well, do you want to come up and play a gig with us and we're like yeah okay <laughs> you know of course yeah it's it's, it's 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 you know it's them opportunities wouldn't have been there only for the nutshell collective you know yeah yeah exactly and before the group what was it like trying to get gigs was it like knocking on pub doors and being told oh you're an original no we want a cover band um pretty much so I set up the band, let's say, in 2020, uh, me and a friend of mine, um, two of us were both sitting at home, um, bored over enough because of COVID. And then the restrictions were starting to ease up a bit, so we got to go outside the house for once. So uh, me and her decided to set up the band. But my idea um, from the start was to try and keep a kind of a, a, a radio-friendly kind of thing. That was my plan, and, and her vocal was more of a kind of a country vocal. Um, so it's more kind of going to be like acoustic, a kind of this idea that it wouldn't be much heavier than Coldplay or uh, Snow Patrol, that sort of thing. But um, it just kind of, when I got into the studio, it just kind of took on a life of its own and, and, and things went different. But in terms of trying to play down here, it wasn't going to happen. So I, I, I'd be doing myself down here was trying to set up a kind of a, a music scene, so to speak, you now down in Leash and giving bands from Leash the opportunity because there's in Leash alone, there's a phenomenal amount of acts down here. So I set up two gigs so far. I'm hoping to set up a third one in June. I'm not getting to set them up as often as I'd like because, like with everything, kind of money tends to be the the issue. But we've had we've had two great gigs um so far. We're lucky enough that we we're able to link in with um. Forest Fest, uh, the organizer of Forest Fest. So the first year we ran a we ran a gig and I was able to source funding from Leash County Council, luckily enough. So I was able to pay all the bands, which was brilliant. I think we had eight acts from Leash came down and played eight bands. All phenomenal talents. Um, and we had Vendetta Love down to the headliner for us. And out of that, I think four of those acts were given slots um at Forest Fest. And then last year we ran a battle of the bands and we had 10, we had 10 bands down. And I think again, four of those acts were given slots at Forest Fest. And the, the prize was, the prize was an act that was a slot at Forest Fest, but such was the quality that he, he just couldn't pick. So he ended up giving four acts uh, slots. So there's like serious quality down here. It's just the issue in terms of like, we have a venue, we just don't have the funding, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, and like everything. Yeah, and it's trying to, like, most people just want to go out and sing along to songs that they know, mm. um, which makes it very, very difficult because you're competing with cover bands all the time and you can't, it's like where a pub might shell out maybe five or 600 euros for a cover band. You tell them, oh, we're an original act. They don't want to pay it because they see it as a risk, like. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The two the two um shows that we put on, we we packed the place out at both times. So like that in itself is kind of the reward, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I get you. I get you. It's kind of like you know you need to build a name, but how can you build a name if you're not given given the chance? That that's it, and it's it's so hard. Like I mean, from like we're in leash, we are playing pretty much everywhere except leash. Perfect. <laughs> 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 you know, um. We even managed to get a gig and we had a played in Offaly there a few weeks ago or this last month. We did a good gig in Offaly. Um there's a pub over there, John Lees, who takes a chance on um original music and he gives them a Friday night slot every now and again. He gave us a slot. And um people came in and they didn't leave. <laughs> <laughs> Always a good thing. <laughs> yeah. They, it was actually it was one of more more successful gigs. They came in and we were talking to them afterwards and they were they were full of compliments saying, no, we really liked your stuff and we're going to start following you now and stuff like that. But it's so, it's, it's, it's almost like it's rare that you would get a gig like that where you'd have, especially around here where people who've never heard of you just walk in and go, oh, I like this band. They're not playing songs that I know, but I like them and I'm going to find out more about them. And what's the goal then? Is the goal kind of like to play a gig in Dublin or what way is it? Um, We actually were playing in Fibbers last night. Ah. And the goal, I suppose my my mindset when I started this off was I wanted to have uh, my music on the radio. That was my kind of my mindset, and I want to play 
I want to play to crowds. I want to play to crowds and kind of build a name. It's been a lot tougher than I thought it would be. Right. Um, we've been very lucky that in the sense that like every song that we put out, Radio Nova has picked it up for us with the rock show. We Tony Ains got there when he was doing the rock show. He was a great supporter of ours. And now Lara Flynn there on the rock show um, it seems to be uh, taken up where Tony left off and he, he's given us um, he's given us a, a platform there on a Friday night, which is which is brilliant. It's been really, really great. In terms of gigs, we just want to play and we just want to get our name out there. There's no, I can't say like, you know, I suppose everyone kind of wants world domination. You know, <laughs> you, always have, you always have to set your heights, sights like as high as you can. And if you fall short, well, then, you know, it, it wouldn't be too bad. But I, I, I like the idea of being able to go to a venue and have people come to see you. That's that's what I'd like. You know, I'd like, I'm not saying that there needs to be thousands of people there, but you'd like if you had some sort of a following that, you know, people showed up when, when you were playing, people knew about you, people wanted to listen to your music. That would be, that would be nice. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think the whole world domination thing, though, is off the table these days? Like, is there any bands that actually do make it to that level where they can, you know, earn a living? a good living off their music. Because I speak to, you know, from bands just after starting to bands that are established like 30 years and they all say the same thing. These days, it is incredibly hard to have music as your main career. Yeah, I see that as well. Cause I, I, like I grew up like listening to bands like Therapy. I was a massive Therapy fan growing up. And what I loved about Therapy was the fact that they were Irish. They were just up the road. This is a band from just up the road and they're playing sell out like um concerts and festivals all over the world their songs are on mtv like they're, do you know what i mean they're such a big band and they're just from up the road and then you look at them now and they're like they're struggling to fill dolans do you know what i mean yeah it's yeah. it's it's crazy but like their, their quality of their music hasn't dropped off they're still they're still a really really good band it's just i don't know is it just the world's kind of gone towards pop music or yeah that's I, what i feel anyway yeah it's 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 hard because like 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 i said like even if you look within the collective like I'm, i i fail to see what's the difference between some of the bands in the collective and yet some of the bigger rock bands that everyone knows about do you know what i mean in terms of quality in terms of song production in terms of songwriting i don't i don't see the difference like do you know what i mean it's is it luck what what is the difference like yeah, it's, I don't know. I think it's like 20% right place, right time, 20% luck, and the rest is who you know, you know? You need to have someone behind you pushing you. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's almost like you have to, like, spend money to try and make yeah. money, but, like, who can afford to do that in this day and age, like? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And w is it still a thing? Like, I remember years ago when you start a band in Ireland, it was like, right, as soon as we get some traction, we have to leave Ireland and head to like London or Los Angeles. Is it still like that? Um, honestly, I couldn't tell you, but <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I would imagine that if you were in Britain right now, you'd have more opportunity in terms of um, venues and gigs than you would than you do here it's just it's almost like we're not we're not we're not we're not set up for it we don't cater for it like i i don't understand like people will shell out like say you know green they're coming 107 euros a ticket people have no hassle shelling that out but like you ask them to pay a fiver to come down five minutes walk down the road to see a local band they're like oh no man ah uh, fuck that but like how are you going to discover these bands if you don't Take the chance. Yeah. If you don't listen. Yeah. And when it comes to Aries Redemption, then how do you guys approach making music? You know, where do you get your inspiration from? What does the whole process look like? Oh, I would say I'm just a fucking morbidly depressed fucker. That's where it comes from. <laughs> like all great rock stars. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I I started writing songs. Well, I think it was back. back well, I've written songs since I was, as a kid. Like, was that like the only thing I ever wanted to do since I was a kid was write songs and play music. And um, it's kind of bet out you, so to speak. It's like, no, you have to have a backup plan. You can't do that. You can't do this. 
it's not a realistic career opportunity. But that's all I want to do is write songs. Um, I think I I joined the band years ago with a mate of mine, my cousin, and I was drumming in it because I just wanted to play in the band. Um, I'd been on the guitar for years. Wasn't probably a good enough guitarist to compete with some of the young lads that were coming up and get myself into a, a good covers band, if you know what I mean. Right. And so I decided to take up the drums and took up the drums and we were a covered band um, and we had a few original songs in, in that band as well. But I was I was writing the odd song, but because you're the drummer, no one wants to learn the drummer songs. Do you know what I mean? I was like, oh, I had to play this on guitar and it was just too much fucking hassle. So the band kind of petered out a bit and I, I left and I'd been in the band five years drumming and I picked I started picking up the guitar again. I think it was around 2016 or something. And I just started writing songs. And then I didn't fucking stop. So um I think it was around 2016. I think it was around 2016. I was probably depressed out of my fucking mind, but I didn't actually realize it at the time. And I was just writing, writing songs every week. I think when I kind of snapped out of that was around 2017 or that, I was like, you know what, I'm going to put a band together. Because um, I had about 30, 30 odd songs at that stage. So went down, said it to Al. So me and Al started playing together. And then there was uh, a woman from town then that I was after getting friendly with through uh, coaching. So she came in and played the bass. So we set up a band and we... Um, we got a few original songs off and we were going out and we were trying to play them and that was grand. Then she couldn't commit. My cousin came in and we, took, we got about 12 songs off and we were going around doing um, something that we could kind of get. So it was a, uh, used to be a heyday festival on at Christmas in Port Leach. So we used to go and we'd, we'd get a half hour slot at that or we'd go down to open mic nights and stuff like that and we'd, we'd play there. We weren't really getting too many gigs. We were getting a couple. But I felt the songs were good, but the problem I felt was me on the vocals. I didn't think I was a good enough singer. I thought I was like, I wasn't doing the songs justice because I couldn't sing them. So what happened was it came around Christmas and my cousin got too busy and he couldn't commit to it anymore. So then like, that just kind of, it didn't fall apart. It was just like, we all just kind of left it at that, if you know what I mean. There was, wasn't massive, we didn't have massive, we weren't getting massive gigs and stuff like that. Um. And I start working in a a hospital. And there was a girl that I was working in the hospital with, and she sang. She used to go back to her house there once a week and we practice. And I was like, "Yeah, female singer, this really suits my songs. It really kind of it 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 brings them to life in terms of the emotion that I wanted from the songs, and you know that, and not only the emotion, the harmony and the, the melody as well. Like, I mean." I can probably put motion into the songs, but Jesus Christ, it sounds fucking rough as fuck. Like, <laughs> right. So, um, that that was work. So, for about a, a month or so, me and her practiced, and then we go, we done an open mic, and then she headed off to India. But that was kind of for me. That was kind of like, oh yeah, this is what I want to do now. Direction I want to go. I'm going to put a band together. I'm going to get a female singer, preferably one who can play the guitar or play the piano as well. And I'll go from there because I figured the songs were good that I was writing. I was writing good songs and I wasn't stopping writing. I just kept writing and writing and writing. Um, so I knew at this stage, like, out of all the songs I'd written, I could pull 20 of those songs together handy and they'd be 20 good songs, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I get you. Um, and it was just a matter of that. So then the opportunity came around, I suppose, try and form a band that's what I did but in terms of I've gone off on the fucking tangent but, <laughs> um, the writing process is I sit in my room and I get an idea in my head and I write it down I used to record demos on a, on a Mac that's what I used to do so I'd write a guitar riff um, or a guitar thing and then I'd put the whole song over it and make a whole demo so I'd put the drums over it put the bass over it I'd start adding in strings, piano, things like that. Um, and it would just become a kind of whole song. And then when I have the song in my head, I bring it down to the band. And it's like, all right, well, this is how the song is going. And then like, there's a few, like there's a lot of songs that have kind of been floating around since 2016, 2017. 
Um, and the song that our next single that we're going to release is called Black Spider. I wrote it back in 2017 on the acoustic guitar. And then I got a piano a few years ago. And as when I got a piano, I started trying to turn the songs that are from the guitar onto a piano. Mm. And Black Spider became, I, I, I tried to mimic what I was doing on, on the guitar, on the piano. But it sounded so much better on the piano. So it became a piano song. And the whole acoustic version kind of went out the window. And then when I brought it to practice, I brought it down to, um, that's it. this is how it was going to go. So we, we played it a few times and Pravin came back to the next practice and he's like, it needs something. And I'm very protective over my songs. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I was like, how dare you? But um, he said, no, it needs something. It needs a bridge or something. And I said, no, it doesn't need that. So he came up with this funky little bass line, this really kind of cool kind of, uh, it's almost like a, a jazz bass line or something. It's really, really, and I was kind of like, how are you going to fit that into the song? Right. I was like, no, it's, and he was adamant that this was going into the song. And I was like, how, where, why? So he bought it in and he was insistent and he said, no, we're going to put it in before the second chorus. And I was like, no, that makes zero sense. He's like, no, we're going to do it, right? So we done it. And I still wasn't really going for it. I was kind of like, oh, well, maybe we'll have it after a second course. But, you know, he said, no, after a second verse, it's going in. So he done that. We had to practice. We let, I list, brought home, listened to the practice, and then went, sat down on the piano again. And now I came up with a piano riff. I'm like, all right, yeah, maybe it does work. And then when we went to record it in the studio, Chloe came in, and Chloe started doing it, started riffing over it. And when I listened to it back, it's like, you know what? You're fucking right. Put it in. <laughs> it just it just worked. Mostly the songs is just me being fucking dictator. And it's like, <laughs> this is a song. This is what it sounds like. Um, but then like when you go into the studio, things change as well. Like you go into the studio with the first producer that we worked with, Stephen Euster. He was absolutely phenomenal in terms of what he brings to the song and what he gets out of you. He almost like, he, it's like he gets into your head and knows what's into your head and you start humming something. And you go, oh, all right. The next thing you know, I'll start playing that, whatever he's humming on the guitar, or you'll throw in a backing melody. You go, mm-hmm. you go, oh, fuck yeah, that works. Um, yeah, so I think like the, in terms of the songs that we wrote, the structure and the structure for the letter didn't change, but the guitar on it did a little bit for um, when we went into the studio. So I still had to kind of, again, it's another song that I wrote on the acoustic guitar and I translated onto piano, so it became piano, but I still wanted to keep that old acoustic guitar sound in the background. Stephen was like, no, lad, just strum single notes and it'll work with the source, it'll work so much better. He was right, it did like. Yeah. And then um, he he actually put in a little riff himself then as well. He does that. He, uh, he picked up a guitar and he started playing some harmonics and he put that into it as well. And that's like, oh, fuck, that's really, really cool. That's really, really deadly. Right now I've learned how to fucking play that. Thanks very much for that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's that, I like going into the studios for that reason because when you're listening to it back through those big speakers and that and you've got all this time because, you know, the drums are just being done, the bass is just being done. And you're just back to the, the clip track or the, the ghost track. You, you start just writing riffs to go on top of riffs to go on top of riffs and songs kind of take on a kind of life of their own in the, the studio, which I, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Kind of just proves a song is never entirely finished as well, you know? No, it's not. I mean, I mean the letter, both the letter and Black Spider, I think I wrote back in, in 2017. And I'm glad that I didn't record them back in 2017. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I, I I recorded demos of them, and if you listen to the demos of them now and to what the finished product is, they're com- completely different almost, you know? Yeah, like night and day almost. Yeah, well, the, the, the vocal melody in the letter never changed. It's the exact same. Um, and the structure is the exact same, but it's an acoustic guitar. There's no piano in it. You know, so that's completely changed and, and the version that, that we put out with Stephen, I absolutely love like, I love that version I'm so happy about it like, yeah yeah I get you and uh, I suppose we may talk about concerts it's called Concerts That Made Us so 
as a concert goer, what concerts do you think have made you? Oh, um, there's a few of them actually. Um, I think I suppose like as a, a young lad growing up, um, being big into grunge and stuff like that, the kind of grunge bands were good. There's a few things like I liked. Some of the things that kind of inspired me as well were not just going to like big concerts, but just seeing local bands playing kind of, you know, Nirvana covers and Pearl Jam covers, which kind of would have inspired me to pick up the guitar and stuff. But the concerts that I remember as a kid or a teenager, kid, um, some of the first ones I've seen, I've seen the Foo Fighters, first time they ever played in Dublin. I was at that gig. Oh, man. And that was absolutely phenomenal. The energy that he had and I can still remember like fucking Dave Grohl and Pat Smear uh, like doing uh, humbles on the stage while playing the guitar <laughs> and it was like oh my god this is like unbelievable and I was like yeah I really really want to uh, this is what I really want to do and then another gig I suppose seeing Therapy for the first time as well I think Therapy is the band I've seen more times than any other band seen them as well the time they played uh, just after Infernal Love had been released and they came down and played that and that was just absolutely phenomenal gig as well just like uh, I just I, I just absolutely loved Andy Cairns like I just thought he was so fucking the songs that he was writing at the time um, the vocal I just I just thought it was his attitude on stage just you know he I just, I just absolutely love therapy. So that 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 gig where just after Infernal uh, Love was released, that was that was a big one for me. Again, we were in a band in around teenage years. It was a uh, we, we entered into a battle of the bands in uh, Monastrevan. There was a band after coming down from Kilkenny, and they were heavy metal. I'd never really been into heavy metal before, and I just seen these people just playing heavy metal. It was like. That was that was a game changer for me as well in terms of like, oh, I think I actually like heavy metal. <laughs> I started looking at looking for bands like Pantera and stuff like that, and you know, Corn, and and start getting into them. Where and that was kind of like was it would have been a big kind of influence on my writing then as well in terms of what I wanted to do. Jeez, man, you sound like a, a just a big sponge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, like I, I, I kind of like all sorts of music, but like heavy, heavy metal would probably be like my heavy metal rock is probably my like my my preference, probably more metal now than nothing else. And when it comes to your own gigs, then is there one that sticks out in your mind as maybe the best gig experience you've had? Oh fuck! Um, <laughs> let me see. I am so critical of our shows. Um, I'm so critical of my own performance as well. Um, I'm always analysing it. Um, geez, what ones were good? Oh, you have me stumped now. <laughs> I can remember gigs from when I was younger playing there that were good. Um, I, we, we played a couple of festivals there that, that were good old crack. Like we played Livestock there two years in a row. Livestock is just, it's... As festivals go, it's so just unique and chilled and laid back, and it's just it's savage crack. Um, I think probably the first year that we played, uh, Forest Fest was absolutely deadly because it's probably one of the biggest crowds that we played to. Um, there could have been maybe five or six hundred people there, spread out in the tent, um. And the way we were treated as well, like they, they they just looked after us like we were royalty. There was a VIP kind of a, a backstage area, and there was free drinks and free crisps. And oh man, it was just, so it was just like we, we felt like we were like proper rock stars, you know. Um, I've made it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It was like, yeah, it was just because it was when you're younger and you you start picking up instruments and stuff like that, and you start dreaming of stuff like that. Like you know, you want to play at festivals. And you want to play to big crowds. And I think that Forest Fest demo and um, the first year, that was probably the closest thing that we've that I've got to experience now anyway. Playing um playing to a, a big crowd 
With a gig like that, then how do you deal with the whole thing that it's not going to happen every week or every month? Because I'd imagine something like that is highly addictive. And then the next day you're kind of like, right, it's back to normal. That's not going to happen anytime soon again. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, do you know what? It, 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 it's, it's hard to deal with that. As a musician, when you go and you play a gig, for me anyway, you want people to be there. You just like, you just want a crowd. Um, and like, or to, to look like there's a crowd. So like some venues or max capacity could be 40 people. So if you've got 40 people there, it looks like it's jammed. You know, you got six or seven people there. It looks empty. And the same, like, like that Forest Fest, there probably maybe could be 500 people there. But because the tent was so big, it, it didn't look like that. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it, it's hard. But see, see, everyone seems to be in the kind of the same boat of like, it's hard to get people to come to your shows. Mm, yeah, true. And, it's hard to get um, people to kind of stay. Like even there, last night we we played there in Fibbers, and for the first three songs, I think there was two people looking at us because every everyone's out having a cigarette, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's yeah, but then you know, seven or eight people come in and they start bopping their heads and you know, head banging. You're like, oh, all right, they like it. the multiply. Okay. Yeah. yeah, you know that's that that's good. Um, and it's like the same when we, we bled and John Lee's there in Tullamore. Um, because we're, we're we're local enough, like um, we've been asking everyone, fucking no one showed up to see us. Um, but like the people that did that were there and people came in, must be maybe 30, 40 people there to see us. And the feedback that we got after was really, really good. So it's little things like that. They're kind of like, oh, oh, yeah, this is great. Like, you know, these are strangers that we don't know and they like us. So. You know, we must be doing something right. You it's know? even better, yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, when you think of your gigs then, to flip it around, is there an experience you'd say it was the worst and how did you overcome it? Oh. Yeah. There, 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 there probably is. I, I think with, with us as well, like with every gig that we play, we always like record videos. And like I said, like uh, to me, it's almost like... um. I just analyze everything. It's like it's like a fucking occupational hazard. It's like I just <laughs> analyze everything. Um so I, I, I listen back and I listen back to everything and we go, right, okay, X, Y, and Z needs to be fixed. And let's make sure that we don't do that again. I think in in fairness, like <clears throat> with this kind of version of the band has only been together since April. It's Chloe's first ever band. So I think like in fairness, she's doing a phenomenal job. Um, after stepping in after after Bonnie left, which was a, a massive kind of blow, so it, it's a learning curve, and I think I think we are a, a decent band, but like my attitude to everything is always you're only ever as good as your last performance. It's a good way to look at it, you know. Um, so you can't really you can't really ever rest, and and I never rest, and I'm always trying to get that into the rest of the band as well. It's like, you can never really rest. You have to go home. You have to practice by yourself. You have to know the songs. You know, it's, you can't really take breaks. Like, we don't get to practice as often as I like, because like, I mean, everyone's got their own commitments and stuff like that. It's hard to get four people in the room once a week, never mind, at least twice a week. But for me, like, I, I'll sit at home and I'll analyze my own performance and I'll go, okay, Jack, you fucked up here. You fucked up there. Um, you need to correct that. You need to practice, practice, practice and make sure um, you have a sword before the next gig. Like, so you always want to strike, cause like, especially when it, like, like I say, going down and watching pharmacy there last week and, and looking at the quality of the acts and how good they are. And you're like, if I'm going to be on a bill with any of these acts, like I don't want to be, I don't want to come off and feel inferior, if you know what I mean, because they're just, they're so good. Like it's like every time I go see a new Irish band, I almost feel like a fucking fraud. Like <laughs> right. it's like the quality that's out there is just it's phenomenal. You kind of strike me as a guy that 
overanalyzes and is probably too hard on yourself. Like I feel like if your gig went perfect, you'd still be picking at yourself <laughs> and everyone else would be like, no, man, that was actually fine. Like you blew him off the stage. Yeah, 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 you know, you're, I am, but I'm like that in every aspect of my life. I, 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 I'm not the sort of person that likes to give himself credit for anything, really. Um, this is probably something that I need to fucking change, but it's just, um, yeah, it's just who I am. It's, it's, I think it's an inferiority complex, I think it's called. Yeah, yeah. Although I think we all have a kind of a, a touch of that at times. Yeah, well, that's true, yeah. But you think after like years of playing, like you'd have overcome it so much. I always say I never consider. I always consider myself as a. Um, I consider myself a good songwriter, an average musician. Right. That would be my uh, take. You know? Not a bad thing. I feel like that's something that some really famous person has said about themselves as well. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm plagiarizing something great. <laughs> <laughs> and when you think of the future, then. You know, say five years time, how would you like the band to evolve? Oh, like I said, like my, my ambition is like world domination. Like that's kind of like I would I would love to be able to do tours, even in Britain. Do you know what I mean? If in five years time we were able to go over to Britain, you know, for maybe a two month or three month tour and make money off it. You know? Yeah. You know, I, I would love if, you know. We were getting, you know, regular streams, if you know what I mean. People were listening to your music, liking your music, that sort of thing. And kind of like, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I, I just have this thing. That I just want people to listen to my music. And if, if I could get, you know, if you could build up a, a big enough fan base, I think I'd be happy with that. You know, I don't necessarily care for all the, like, you know, the money or fancy houses or anything like that. I just want people to listen to my music. A true musician, so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Actually, that's it. Like, you know, we're always going to be broke, aren't we? Although, you know what? I feel like um, Chris Martin, I feel like he sits in one of his like 10 mansions and says, you know, I just want people to listen to my music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe he does. Yeah. And before we dive into the last couple of questions, then future plans. I know you have the gig on the 1st of December in Fred Zeppelin's anything else you want to tell us about her plug yeah actually we're we're um next week next Saturday we're heading up to Derry so this is going to be our first time heading up uh north um and we're um supporting string cup puppets oh cool so that's in uh Brannigan's in Derry City next Saturday and they've they're releasing their debut album now I'm after getting a sneak peek at it as listening to it there today fucking brilliant really it is. Oh, it's got such a nineties vibe to it. Like it's so, it's it, it's so Seattle grunge. It's it's, and you can't kind of put pinpoint over which one particular band it sounds like. It's just like you got all the bands that were in Seattle in the nineties, put them together and made one super band, and that's String Up. <laughs> right, right, yeah. And um, they're de- definitely worth checking out. Your man, uh, Mark, their lead singer, his voice is just absolutely phenomenal. It's just like, it's like, yeah, I wish I could sing like that. So we've got that. And I think we've got another one in Fred's uh, next year in uh, February as well. And we're hoping to release uh, a new single on the 14th of February next year. Black Spider. Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. Yes, it's it's my own version of a very twisted, dark love song. So thought it'd be quite fitting I like it I like it <laughs> and uh, we'll dive into the last few so these are a couple of random odd music questions but I'm looking forward to hearing your answers <laughs> okay so if you could see any performer from history in concert for one night only who would it be oh can I have one or two I'll be nice I'm feeling generous you can have two <laughs> right Parker Ben Freddie Mercury I like it I like it yeah. 100%. Yeah, that'd be some gig. And uh, here's where the odd part comes in. So if you had to spend 24 hours locked inside a room with any musician from history, who would it be? Oh, fuck. <laughs> I like that reaction. <laughs> <laughs> locked in a room? Yeah. Oh, is, is, 
um, is it is it lit up? Is it dark? Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, like is, there's lights. There's, there's even food if you're hungry. Right. It's not there's like food, saw, you know. You don't have to cut off any limbs. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. <laughs> so there's food and drink. So someone like sit in and get drunk with. Fuck. Um. I don't know. I feel like Bowie would probably be interesting to sit in with him. Who else? I don't know. Who's a bit of crack? Who, who in the musician world is a bit of crack? Ed Sheeran. Really? Yeah, I'm not I'm not a, really a fan of Ed Sheeran, right? It was music. But I just reckon it's a bit of crack. Right. You know, I can safely say, I think I'm like 170 episodes deep at this point. And that is the first time anyone has said they wanted to be locked in a room with Ed Sheeran. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> It was bound to come up at some stage, I suppose, um, if you look at the law of averages. <laughs> no, I, I just reckon he'd be a bit of crack. I just reckon, like, he's a sort of lad that you could sit there. I reckon he's a sort of lad you go to fucking beer with and have great fucking time. Yeah, there's no airs and graces about him, like, just a normal no. guy. Yeah, just a normal guy. Yeah. Good one. Good one. And the final one, so, now this is near impossible to answer, but what song would appear on the soundtrack to your life? Oh, Joe must go on. Right, right. What is it about that one that speaks to you? I don't fucking know. I think <laughs> it was. I think it was just the kind of like the ah, uh, just the kind of acceptance and the finality of it. Like, because I always pictured like Freddie wrote that, like about the fact that he knew he was going to die. Um, and I just, I, I, I absolutely love that song. I just think it's, it, I think that's one of the songs that I want playing at my funeral. Right, right. Has to be that one, so. Mm. Nice one. Listen, Jack, it's been a blast now. I've really enjoyed chatting with you over the last hour. Thanks a million. Right, sound. Thanks very much for that. It was a pleasure being on. Thanks for having me.
please, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify. And if you're interested in signing up the Band Builder Academy, use the link in the show notes below and enter the code CONCERTS and you'll receive 10% off. So, until next time, keep rockin'. Hey. Hey, what are you guys still doing there? The show is over. It's over. You can go home. Go on. We'll see you next time. We'll be here. <laughs>